Grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 1. Grab it and it'd be great to have it in front of you. If you're watching online, it's going to come on the screen. I'm going to read it for us in a moment. But we're starting a new series over the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to kick off in a new series in the book of Exodus in early February. But today, we're going to be doing the Summer of Psalms. We're going to pick a few Psalms and have a look at them. The Psalms are filled with the roller coaster of life, the ups and the downs. But it's a time where we're going to enjoy the fullness of God in this series. So grab your Bibles, and I'm going to read to us, and then we're going to have God's Word opened up to us today. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's be reminded that this is God's holy word. I was reading an article this week, uh, it just it caught my attention, it was in the Wall Street Journal. The title of the, the, the article was, Fatigue, Decision Fatigue. We've become fatigued in making decisions. Over the last 12 months, we are finding it harder and harder to make simple decisions. With just the overwhelmingness of life and this last 12 months, there is this decision fatigue amongst all of us. We've become tired and overwhelmed by the choices, whether they're big and small. You know, even trying to think about, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Sometimes it's now just like, man, do I even have to think about that decision? Every day we make choices. Every day we have decisions to make, whether they're big or whether they're small. We have decisions that affect our lifestyle. Every day we are making lifestyle choices, happy lifestyle choices, decisions that will affect our path in life, lifestyle choices, but yet we have decision, decision fatigue. I show that we often watch at home. We haven't watched it this last year, but a show that we've often watched is The Block. Now, The Block is on the Channel 9. On Channel 9. The Block is just basically a home reno show where you get contestants and they get plonked in this building, whether it's a house or units or a flat. And over the, the coming weeks, these couples, they have to renovate these houses. And the idea is you want to win at the end of the series. You want to have the most perfect house out there. And, and one of these comments that I often hear within the block is lifestyle choices. Because they're trying to make lifestyle choices that will sell this home. The right kitchen, the right bedroom, the right bathroom. Every day we are making lifestyle choices. You know, you're making it for the education of your kids. You make lifestyle choices about the house you buy. You hope to have a perfect kitchen or the perfect house. Investments, work relationships, kids going to school and going to uni. Every day we are making lifestyle choices that affect our path in life. And I wonder, do you ever think to yourself, I want to have this lifestyle choice? Once we get that perfect house on a little block 
in the right suburb of Toon Gabby, it'll be just beautiful. Get that right kitchen, get the right education. Then I'll be happy. Isn't it interesting as we reflect over the last 12 months, as I was reflecting this week, that when you think about it, over the last 12 months, we may have complained, we may have thought, man, if only I could get out of lockdown, then my life would be happy. And yet, as you reflect on it, in our lockdown, we had more than anyone has ever had in history. We had Uber Eats. You know, like 100 years ago, you couldn't do that. You got air conditioning. 150 years ago, they didn't have air conditioning. We could still homeschool. And you, you, there's, there's a reality that even in the last 12 months, when we've been in lockdown for such a long time, we thought the things that would bring us happiness did it, and yet 100 years ago, we had far less, and yet we're complaining more, going, my lifestyle's not meant to be like this. Because what happens, isn't it? As we seek that happy lifestyle, we get that kitchen that you've always wanted. Finally, you've had the money. You get that beautiful kitchen. But what happens in five years' time? You need the bathroom needs to be done. You, you look forward to your kids and the lifestyle choices you've made to get them to HSC. They get their uni. And now it's like, oh, yeah, but I need them to have a great job. You're a teenager or a young girl or a young boy. And it's like, I just need a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And you get the girlfriend and the boyfriend and next says, we need to get married so I feel happy. But then once you get married, it's like, well, I'm not going to be happy until I have kids. And then you have kids and you say, I'm not going to be happy until the kids are out of home. And, you know, and then once you get great, it, it just seems to be this endless flight of seeking happiness. And yet it seems further away than it ever has before. We seem to be less happy, even though we have way more than we had 10 years ago, 20 years ago in the pursuit of the happy lifestyle. The pursuit of a lifestyle drives our thinking. The pursuit of lifestyle, it drives our emotions. It drives every thought. It drives every motivation. It drives what we delight and it drives what we meditate on, isn't it? And as we seek the perfect lifestyle or that happy lifestyle, that's what we meditate on. But that's where we get to Psalm 1 today. As we come to enjoying the fullness of God, we're going to see in Psalm 1 the happy lifestyle is different to what we think it is. Because see, in Psalm 1, there's two paths. There's two paths in life. We're going to see that the happy lifestyle is grounded in something very different to what we thought. See, in Psalm 1, there's one path that leads to destruction and there's another path that leads to life, satisfaction and happiness. Let's have a look at Psalm 1. Have a look at Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one. Blessed, that's the happy life. Now the word blessed in the Old Testament is used a few times. But there is a different Hebrew word for the word blessed. See, in Genesis chapter 12, God promises to Abraham that he's going to bless all nations. Now that idea of blessed there is God's favour on his people. And when God curses, it means he's withdrawn his favour of his people. That word is barak in the Hebrew. So that's, that's one word for blessing. But in Psalm 1, it's actually a different Hebrew word. It's Ashereh, which means something different. It means the happy life, the fulfilled life, the satisfied life. And what does it look like? It's, it's, it's not just a single blessing, it's blessings. It's plural. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man or the woman or the child... Blessed is the one who does not, have a look at the, this progression, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Do you notice this progression? It goes counsel. 
does not walk in step. Now, what this is, this is, this is counsel, this is advice. It's to pick up on their value system. It's to say, I am going to take their counsel and whatever they value is what I am going to value. And so you walk in that way. But not only do you walk, but this, the, the blessed life is not one who picks up on the wicked's values of life, but it's also not the one who stands in the way of sinners. Now, the NIV translation does it pretty well because it, it helps us understand that it's not you standing in the path of the wicked. But what it means to stand is actually just to walk in their shoes. You're standing in their path. You're, you're walking with them. So you've moved on from taking their counsel and their value system to now you're walking in their way. But then it progresses even more to where you sit. You sit and scoff and mock. What it means is it's to scoff at righteousness. It's to scoff at God. Not only do they not value righteous ways of living, they actually mock it. They laugh at it. They mock Jesus. They think Jesus is a joke. They belittle anyone who wants to be holy. We, I wonder, do we easily scoff too? Seeing that we so easily not accept in our brothers and sisters in Christ, we so easily find comfortable to watch on TV. Maybe we scorn other Christians who, who have a, you know, you look at them and go, they're a bit upright, they're law-driven, and that's just them. They should lighten up a little bit. We can easily scoff. We can easily take counsel. I want to ask a question today. Where, where have you been going for counsel over the last 12 months? What is it you've been allowing to shape your thoughts, your feelings and your emotions? There's so many voices out there. There's so many things that we've taken counsel in. Where have you been taking counsel in over the last 12 months? Sin reduces us to fools. You know, in Jeremiah it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. That means you lie to yourself more than anyone else lies to you. Do you know, we, we lie to ourselves more than anyone else lies to us. We have this problem of sin that's, that we are fools. But this psalm, it moves us, it directs us from that. But also this psalm reminds us that this path is small. Because, do you notice that blessed is the one among many? It's going to stand out, it's going to be different, it's going to be awkward, it's going to be isolating. But this one in verse 2 this psalm moves us to what? Delight in God. Have a look at verse 2. But those who delight, but who's delight? So the blessed one, the happy life, the satisfied life is one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. So here it is. Here's three points. What is the happy life? What is the happy lifestyle? It's the one who delights in the word of God. Delights in God's word. It's not a burden, but it's a joy. It's not tiring, but refreshing. See, this is wisdom literature. What does the law mean? As, as you picture about being delight, delighting in the law of God, are you picturing this idea of the Ten Commandments? Thinking, oh, that's what I delight in. Maybe you're thinking, well, law means Torah, which means Genesis to Deuteronomy. Oh, it does mean that. But in wisdom literature, like the Proverbs, the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, the law is even far bigger than that. 
It means Yahweh's instruction. It means all of God's counsel. It's to, to delight in all of his counsel. It's to be satisfied and delighting in it. To delight in God's word. Um, you know, about two weeks ago, we were in, oh, just, just prior to Christmas, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but just prior to Christmas, we were on holidays at Tung Curry, and our middle child, Finley, it was his birthday, and so we took him out for the day, and we went from Tung Curry up to Port Macquarie to Timbertown. Now, Timbertown is this, um, it's this old school town, like it's how they used to live 150 years ago. And, one of the, and it's got steam trains, it's got horses, it's got gold panning, and really, we went there because of the gold panning. But one thing that struck me out was like, man, imagine living in these homes without air conditioning and humidity. It was just like, whoa. It was an eye-opener to how they lived. But we went for the gold panning. And so we get there at 10 a.m., 11 o'clock, and the boys walk in and we go gold panning. Like, boys, we've got to do something else. So we went off. I said, we'll come back at the end of the day and we'll go gold panning. Get back at 2 o'clock. We've all got a gold pan in our hands. And we go to this little creek and we go gold panning for gold. And you dig it in the... And you, you find gems, you find these crystals. You, you, it was so much fun for the boys. But then my lovely wife found a speck of gold. You know, you have fool's gold, but she found this speck of gold. And guess what we caught? Gold fever. We could not leave. The boys, I'm in there. Five minutes more, and we're just sitting there. And we're scrounging through trying to find more gold after more gold. An hour later, I think we need to leave. Now, just five more minutes, gold fever had hit us. We just could not get enough of gold panning, only though, even though we only found two specks of gold. And we're there, hour. Another hour goes by, and we just could not stop gold panning. Great way to entertain your kids. But even as adults, we were consumed. Now Psalm 19 reminds us that it reminds us that God's law is more precious than gold than much pure gold. As we delight in that gold panning here God says to us that his law and his counsel is just far better than gold. It says it's even more tasty than the best honey from the best honeycomb. It's a beautiful thing to delight in God's word, but it's also great to meditate in God's word. The happy lifestyle, the satisfied life is the one who not only delights but meditates on God's word day and night. Did you see that there? Meditates on his law day and night. What comes to your mind? What comes to your mind as you're stuck in the Woolies checkout? The self-serve and it just doesn't work. What are you meditating on? What do you meditate on that moment you're walking down the hallway at 9.30 at night for the 10th time because your kids haven't gone to sleep? What are you thinking on? I wonder what have you been thinking, maybe you're at home, what have you been thinking as you had that five hour wait for that PCR test? What were you meditating on going, man, this is just an inconvenience? What have you been thinking about this week? What do you meditate on? What, what's consuming you in the middle of the night? What do we meditate as we have a really tough week at work? What about when our marriage has really hit rock bottom? Where do we go? Where do we turn? Maybe as a bloke, you may be the bloke who just turns to going, you know what, none of this is real, let's just push it out of the road. It's not really happening and you walk away. Maybe as a bloke, you go out to the shed. Maybe your place is the shed and you turn the music up to drown it away. Maybe as a woman, maybe it's you go, hey, let's go to the shops and spend some money on dresses. That will take me away from what I'm going through right now. Or maybe it's just we pick up the phone and we want those endorphins as we flick through Facebook or wait for a text message that gives us. What, what, what are we meditating in those moments? 
See, every day, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of the gospel. Every day, I need to be reminded of who God is. Every day, I need to be reminded of how great Jesus is. See, the lifestyle of happiness is one who meditates on God's word day and night. Do you notice it's not two minutes in the morning when you read your daily bread? See, this is to consume the whole day, morning and night. It's a picture of of meditation. It's a picture of meditating on God's word. Now, we hear a lot about meditation today. Now, in an Eastern religion, in the Eastern mindset, meditation is you empty yourself. So if you do yoga or things like that, the, 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 the thing behind those practices deep down in eastern religion is what we're trying to do is we're trying to empty our mind if you're having a bad week or something's wrong what are you meant to do you're meant to empty those things to cleanse yourself to move on so meditation in an eastern in eastern religion is you empty the mind you're meant to clear yourself and empty yourself actually christianity is the opposite You fill yourself, you fill your mind, you fill yourself with the counsel of God. Whereas the rest of the world says, no, no, for you to have that life, you need to empty yourself of all those thoughts. You need to empty yourself of all these things. You need to empty that and and then you'll be right. Whereas God says, no, no, you need to fill yourself with my word. You need to fill yourself with my counsel. And we need to meditate on it day and night. Growing up as a kid, um, we had these, I remember, it might have been five to eight, somewhere around then, we had these three steers these three cows they were frisian so those cows are the ones that have black and white spots and so we had three of them and they go around they eat the loosen and you'd fill up the water trough with water and they come over to you they're beautiful they go Moo. you know they do that and then you touch their tongue it's like sandpaper but these beautiful animals they would walk around during the day and they would eat the loosen so they're taking the loosen in but cattle then after a few hours they go and sit down so they go and sit down under a tree, but it doesn't stop there. So what do cows do? They regurgitate, they, they chew their cud. So what you see with cattle is, as they're sitting down, they're sitting there chewing what they've already eaten three hours ago. They're regurgitating on it. And it's a bit like this. It's meditating, it's like that. Now, I, I don't know about you, but um, have you ever regurgitated ice cream? As a kid, even now, ice cream is so beautiful, isn't it? It is so beautiful with the toppings and the ice. And so you eat it. And as a kid, you'd go, I just want more, mum. I want more. I want more ice cream. And you're not given any more ice cream. But I had the skill. You bring it back up. And you chew on it. And, and, and it's beautiful. And it's, to meditate all day and night is really, it's just a chew and to sit, to sit and to think and to mellow, to feed your mind. But at the same time, you're regurgitating it to think, what does this mean for my life today? One of the things I've been doing over the last month, a pastor shared it with me, and I, it's been a wonderful thing that I've been doing. I've been meditating on a psalm. So over the last month, I've been meditating on Psalm 23. So as I stand there in the Woolworths line, frustrated, I recall Psalm 23. Or as I sit there in isolation, I recall Psalm 23. As I sat there fishing, enjoying God's creation, I could recall Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a great psalm for us to meditate on. The Lord is my shepherd. And so as I sit there in that Woolies line, frustrated with life, I go, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But think more about that for a moment. The Lord is my, hang on, who's the Lord? 
It's the God of creation, the one who spoke creation into existence, the one who, who made the stars, who knows everyone by name. That Lord is what? My shepherd. As I sit down that Woolies line, he's my shepherd. He loves me. He knows me by name. He leads me. But one even more further, as you sit there going, man, I'm sitting waiting for a PCR test and it's taking five hours for me to go and get it. Or as you sit there and you think, I need more chocolate today in the Woolies line. Or, or as you think, man, I wish I wasn't in my situation right now. I remember Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Wow. I lack nothing. Isn't that amazing? That whether life's going well or whether it's not, Psalm 23 reminds me that because the God of the universe is my shepherd, in this moment right now, I lack nothing. What a wonderful thing for us to meditate and to keep reminding ourselves in every situation. In this moment, I lack nothing because Jesus is my shepherd. Meditate day and night. One commentator said, The righteous man is blessed when he is consciously living in the presence of the word. It's a wonderful thing to meditate, to read the Psalms front to back, to read 1 to 50, to read 150. To, you know, if you read a Psalm a day, it would take you 150 days. But it doesn't take long. Then you get to 150 and go back to the way. Something we've just started just this week. Me and Al, as we go to sleep, we've started reading just one Psalm. Now, I'm not always going to take it in, I may fall asleep. But we've gone one Psalm. It's a beautiful thing to meditate on the Psalms. I want to ask the question is, what are you meditating on right now? What is it that's filling your soul? What is, it, is it the Sydney Morning front page? Is it some article on statistics? It is in this meditation that we understand God's purpose. As we meditate on his word, we understand his purpose for our lives. It's in this meditation that we are gripped by God's story of redemption. It's in our meditation of God's word that we come to realize how wretched and sinful we really are as we come to experience how holy God really is. It's in our meditation that we see the overflowing grace of God, yet we see that he's an all-consuming God, and yet he set us free through Jesus. See, the happy lifestyle is one that delights one that meditates. See, to meditate, you need to delight. But then also, you, to, to delight and to meditate, we need to be deeply rooted. See, point three, the satisfied life is someone who's deeply rooted in God's word. Have a look at verse three and four. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water. He moves now to an image. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. But verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. You're either alive or dead. One is connected to life, one is only useful for going at the back of a header. See, out of the back of a header, as a header cuts the crop, and it gets the grain and the stalk and the head, what it does, it shakes it, and the chaff that's left over, that's no good, it just gets blown out the back. In the ancient world, as they would separate the grain from the husk, they would throw it up and the husks would blow away. It's saying here, you're either alive or dead, you'll either endure or you'll be blown away. You'll either have significantly bare fruit or you'll be good for nothing. It, this psalm is very real about which path to take. Therefore the wicked, in verse 5, 
will not stand in the judgment nor sinners. See, they think they're standing in the right way of life. And yet when they come before God, they won't even be able to stand. They'll be just blown away like chaff. But the Lord, look at verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. See, the seeking of this happy lifestyle, the counsel of the wicked, to stand, it, it leads to destruction. But God knows. See, that word for watches over, your translation might have the Lord knows the way of the righteous. What that means is that God intimately knows. This word knows is often used for sexual intimacy. But here it's, it's saying that you don't know, but no, no, no. God knows the righteous way. He is the one who knows righteousness. Therefore turn to him. He knows the righteous way. And because he knows the righteous way, therefore he can watch over you. Two paths, two ways. See, our world says seek happiness. Seek the happy lifestyle. And yet we go around trying to seek and do whatever we can to get that lifestyle. And yet this psalm flips it on its head and says, no, 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 it's not about seeking happiness. You can't. Seek righteousness. And that is the satisfied and happy life. But what's your response to this psalm? As I've worked through it, as I've read it, whether you're a Christian here today or not, and if you're not a Christian today, we're glad that you're here because we want you to know more about Jesus. But what's your response as I've gone through that psalm? What have you felt? What have you thought about? I wonder, do you feel the weight of Psalm 1? If you're watching online, do you feel that weight? Do you feel burdened by it? This is a psalm about what we must do to be right with God. Because if it's a psalm about what we must do to be right with God, it's actually a very debilitating psalm. Why? Put up your hand in this room, and if you're online, put your hand up. Put up your hand, those of us who can truly say that they've never walked in step with the wicked. How about we put up our hands and say, I've never stood in the way that sinners take. I wonder if we go far enough to say, hey, who of us has never scoffed at sin? Now, I'm pretty sure that every single one of us in this room goes, you know what, I have lived that life. We can't live up to it. But there is one who has truly lived this life. There is one who is truly righteous. Jesus is the one who has never, ever walked in step with the wicked. Jesus has never stood in their path, taken their steps. Jesus has never scoffed at sin. He is Psalm 1. He has lived Psalm 1 perfectly. That's the key to unlocking this psalm. Jesus is the one who has lived and walked this path for us. So to unlock this psalm is we need to know that this is a psalm of the people of God. Because we've been rescued, we can now live this way. It's a beautiful psalm for God's people. 
And we need to unlock it because verse 3 doesn't hit us as we probably think it would hit us. See, look at verse 3 again. The tree is planted beside streams of water which yields its fruit in season and a leaf does not wither. Now, in the, for us, as we look around Australia, gum trees don't really wither, whether it's dry or whether it's wet. They've always got leaves on the tree. But in this environment in which the Israelites lived as they wrote these psalms, trees, they'd have rain and things would flourish. And then they have a dry season and the trees would wither. And so you'd be going out in the field one day, trees are beautiful and green. But then the next month they'd be brown. But this tree does not wither. Why? So the trees that do not wither are tapped into a different source. They're tapped into a different source of life. They're either tapped into an underwater stream or they're tapped into a well. See, this tree has a different source to life. It's plugged into the word of God. And what does it mean to prosper? It's not to prosper wealthily. It's not to have your life go how you want it to go. No, to prosper is to prosper in godliness. See, to walk this life is to live the life of righteous living that God has intended for us to live. Have you noticed one thing that never changes in this psalm? The one thing that never changes is God's word. It's stable when we're unstable. It's true delight when we are underlighted. It's a well that can never be plumbed and its depths will never dry up. What is a happy lifestyle? Well, it's the one who, who delights in God's word. It's the one who meditates. It's the one who is deeply rooted in the word of God. See, the, the, the picture of the tree is that we're deeply rooted in the word of God. It's tapped in to the source of life. We are tapped in because of Jesus. And our leaf will never wither in the wilderness. See, Psalm 1, it's a psalm in the good times, but it's also a psalm for the wilderness. So the Psalms are this roller coaster of life that talk about the pinnacle of great life where things are going really well and it rejoices and yet then you get to something like Psalm 88 where darkness is my only friend. The Psalms encompass the life and the journey that we are in and Psalm 1 as an introduction reminds us that here is the right path. Here is the happy lifestyle. It's actually seeking righteousness. It's seeking the counsel of God's word. Decision fatigue. It's, it's hard, isn't it, to make decisions. I think, oh, what will we have for tea tonight? As we sit, maybe as you're watching in isolation or as you, you think about this next week, Psalm 1 reminds us to be de- delight, to delight, to meditate and to be deep in God's word. It reminds us to be that in a world that is shaky. But I, I think there's one thing hopefully you may have picked up over the last 12 months that I've nearly been here for. There's one, there's one of the desires that I have for Toon Gabby Baptist Church is that we are deep in the word of God. That we are men and women and boys and girls who bleed the Bible. That it's something that just consumes us. It's where we go for counsel. It's what we meditate on day and night. It's something that we know well. So that in the storms, that in the distress, that in those moments we will take the gospel to the world and be we will, we will take the gospel in even more deeper and understand who we are as we are outnumbered in this world, that we will delight and meditate. I want us to be a church that's deep in the word of God. That means, see, Psalm 1 reminds us that life groups are not an inconvenience to take up one night of your week, but life groups are a wonderful way to be deep in the word of God. 
It's a wonderful thing for us to allow ourselves to saturate ourselves here today in the Word of God. It means for us that we tell ourselves, you know what, I'm not going to tap out after 15 minutes because I know that God says this is good. See, Psalm 1 is so wonderful because maybe today you're not delighting in the Word of God. But God's grace tells you that by faith, if God says that his word is like honey, that it's better than pure gold, we can trust him as we meditate on it and we think, man, this is really hard. It means that maybe as parents, you know, it's easy to say to our kids, your attention span's only five minutes. But to go, you know what, if God says this is good for us, we can work at this. It's good to be deep in the word of God. You know, I, I get an hour a week to speak into your 168 hours a week. Do we want to be lazy with that and think 15 minutes is okay? I have one hour a week to speak into your 168 hours a week where you've got voices coming from everywhere that says, no, this is what life's about. Whereas, no, no, we have an opportunity on a Sunday to go, no, here is the beautiful counsel of God. See, in this moment, God is speaking to us. We need to hear from him more than we know. delight meditate deeply rooted that's the happy lifestyle see in John chapter 1 in John chapter 1 the word became flesh see the word of God is our our source it's it's our counsel the word of God in John chapter 1 became flesh Jesus broke into this world as one of us the word became flesh and dwelt among us Jesus became chaff for us so that we wouldn't be chaff that are blown away. Jesus thirsted and hungered in the wilderness for 40 days so that each one of us would never go thirsty and hunger again but be satisfied in him. May we be a church that delights in Jesus that meditates on Jesus and is deeply rooted in Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we want to confess that we take your word too lightly. You are the God of the cosmos and yet we forget that. You're the God of all creation and yet you have made yourself known to us in the Bible. You're the author of life. You've made your character known to us and yet so oftenly we read your word begrudgingly. We treat precious pearls of wisdom like dirt and gravel. Father, forgive us for growing bored with your word. Forgive us for taking your word for granted. We have given ourselves over to the distractions, the selfishness and the laziness of of walking in the counsel of the wicked we've forgotten the miracle of the bible but in this father may your holy spirit grant us hearts of repentance and faith changed hearts transformed minds and purify us father grow in us an ever increasing love for your word an ever-growing love of your holiness. And Father, we want to thank you for the gift of your word. 
And we pray this in Christ Jesus. Amen.